Welcome to Adulting, a podcast where we want to adult every day. Download episodes at adulting.tv. Welcome to Adulting. I'm Harlan Landis, and I am here, as always, with Miranda Marquit. How are you, Miranda? I'm doing well. How are you? Fantastic. It's nice to be recording in person. It is. Yeah, we're, I don't know, what, three feet? Four feet? Something like that. Yeah, it's nice. Yeah, so this is great. So thank you for tuning in today. Today's topic is starting a family. So, um, Miranda, you have a study here that you wanted to point out from the Netherlands. Uh, What does this tell us? Yeah, so there is a study that attempts to take a look at when the ideal time is to start a family. And so researchers estimated the maximum age at which a woman should start trying to become pregnant, depending on, you know, whether she wanted to try it with in virtual fertilization or kind of, I guess, for lack of a better word, naturally. And they looked at when you needed to start, depending on whether you wanted one, two, or three kids. And it was just kind of interesting because as women age, the fertility goes down. And so if you want a bigger family, then the idea is you need to start earlier having more kids. Uh, And if you want to do it without in vitro fertilization, then you definitely need to start earlier because your chances will be better. So one of the things that they found was... It says the results show that couples who want a 90% chance of having at least one child and who don't want to use IVF should start trying to get pregnant no later than when the woman is 32. For a 90% chance of having two children without IVF, they should start trying no later than when the woman is 27. So... So it's kind of kind of interesting to look at it that way because, of course, um, male fertility doesn't decline until to start declining until somewhere in the 60s, and you know men can father children well into their 80s, as we've seen in the past. Yeah, but the um, obviously this isn't the only consideration, you know, and uh, I find this interesting because I've done a lot of research on my own family history because I've been interested in genealogy and family history the last few years. So it's very interesting to see how historically families were much larger. And, you know, there are there are a lot of reasons for that. First, necessity, having more children certainly helps the family out in the long run in terms of economics. And of course, before modern medicine, the fatality rate of infants was a lot higher. And so if you wanted to have a family, you had to get started early and uh, have as many chances as you could to to build that family up. Yeah, that's, that's a really good point uh, that it changes over time. And I think some of that too has to do with our changing society. You kind of hinted at that. We were in the past more of an agrarian society and now we're moving more toward an urban society or a suburban society and we don't need as many kids to work the farm and we also live very different lifestyles that aren't always bounded by work and having to work all the time we want our leisure time and we want money to have the leisure time and having a lot of kids kind of cuts into that a little bit i think yeah well i mean the finances is is a big reason That drives the decision whether to, you know, what time to start a family. And I think that was, for me, 
probably one of my biggest considerations, you know, as as my friends were starting to have families and and we were all in similar financial situations, it just seemed to me that it didn't make sense for me to start a family right out of college. Never mind the fact that I, I wasn't married at the time and I really wasn't sure where I was going relationship-wise, but in terms of having children, uh, my idea was to, well, let me wait until I know that I can afford to give children the life that I wanted to give them. Despite, you know, I, I think I think now I realize that my parents didn't necessarily wait until they were in the best financial shape, but people people make it work. They do what they can and they try to provide what's best for their children. I I think, you know, maybe the way I approached this when I was younger out of college was not completely, you know, I, I didn't take everything into account. I was looking at the finances and probably only the finances. I wasn't looking into, um, I, I didn't, I didn't make fam a family a goal at the time. And if I had, maybe my life would have turned out a little differently. Well, I think that's a good point, though. What are your goals? Because if you make family the priority, if you say, well, I'm going to have kids, then you, you find a way to make that work. Uh, no, nobody's finances are ever going to be perfectly ready to have a child. Well, no, no situation. There is no situation that you can ever devise where you are perfectly ready to have a child. There just, there just isn't. Well, let's think about <laughs> yeah. this. I mean, there have been, um, there's some statistics out there saying uh, how much does it cost to raise a child to adulthood or to college, you know, the first 18 years, it's, or what, what have you heard? A million oh, dollars? Yeah, no. <laughs> no the, the number right now is right around 285000 Okay, well, that's not as bad as I remembered it, but okay. yeah, that's so still a lot of money. The number right now, and then that's, that's per child. Uh, if you have more children, actually, the number per child goes down uh, just because you... It well, never becomes got, less expensive, do, but you you can do it. Yeah, hand me downs. But and, I, I I thought it was funny because I did that thing on the USDA where you do the calculator and it it tells you how much you should be spending on your child each year, and uh, I did the calculator and for my situation and my income and everything else, it told me I should be spending fourteen thousand dollars a year on my son. So then I added up what I actually spend on my son. You know, divided up. Well, what are the housing costs? Let's divide it up and see. I do not spend fourteen thousand dollars a year on my son. So so okay. So I there there are there are ways. So we got to take these it. numbers with some grains of salt. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And I grew up, I, my family, I grew up in a family of five. And my dad was a college professor for the first, well, he was working on his PhD and then being a college uh, professor for the first like 12 years of my life. Uh, and, and, you know, we had five kids. And so, but we live very frugally. My mom made a lot of our clothes, which, by the way, since then, it's actually cheaper to buy clothes than to make them. Mm, it, right. That's kind of a weird change. But anyway, my mom used to make a lot of our clothes. My mom made meals from scratch until the time I went to college. I came home from college one time and I was like, well, what is all this box business doing? Because <laughs> because I was gone, my sister was gone, and my dad had had a promotion and a raise. And now all of a sudden, they could afford to buy box dinners. And I'm like, what is going on here? But yeah, so there are ways that you can make it work. And and it's interesting because I have all these, all of my favorite memories of growing up with my family are all memories, well, not all, but a lot of them are memories of things that we did that didn't cost a lot of money and happened before my dad started making more money. Mm -hmm. And so it was all these memories of, 
playing baseball out on the backyard and going sledding and having uh, playing board games, you know, once a week and, and, and having soda like twice a month. <laughs> it just, just these memories that have nothing to do with spending lots of money. Right. Yeah. I, when I was growing up, my parents were, were saving money as well and trying to live frugally. And one of the big things that we were able to do was I inherited a lot of clothing from a family friend uh, who had a family and, and their son was not older, but just slightly bigger. And so I would receive his clothes as he grew. And then my younger brother, who was five years younger than me, would receive some of my clothes. And, you know, clothes were made to last. You mentioned that, you know, it's cheaper now to buy clothes than to make them yourself. But, of course, they don't last nearly as long as some of the clothing items I, w I had when I was younger, even though we certainly put everything through their paces. And, um, you know, certainly we were kids and we weren't in a museum, so we were certainly... Uh, you know, running around and being kids and, and making the most out of life. And so you wouldn't think that the clothes would last as long as they did, but they did. So, you know, you do want to make sure that you can, you know, do things like buy food for your kid. But, you know, having having a lot of money isn't really a prerequisite. Yeah, and I think that's where I, I ha had a little fear and I wanted to just kind of put this off until I was ready. And that is something you have to think about as well, is how long are you going to put this off? And, you know, I think uh, I think it makes a lot of sense to not wait if you're in the situation that you want to be in. And of course, you know, one of the things that I have probably avoided is the is some problems that could come down the line. Um, you know, if you decide to change your family situation, your your children are, you know, you have children in the picture, it just makes everything a lot more difficult to, to deal with if if you need to change your own relationship situation. And I think that kind of goes to another issue you need to look at when you're trying to trying to decide when to start a family, and that's the issue of stability. Yeah, I think um, stability is probably one of the biggest things that children need as they're growing up, uh, especially when they when they are young and having uh, when when you're not in a stable situation financially or emotionally then it can be uh, it, it can it can pass through to your children and they can you know they, they can start having problems um, growing up or becoming adults or and that can continue generations and generations um, you know it's just it's it's a bad cycle so Stability. I mean, how how do you judge your stability and whether you're stable enough to bring children into this world? And that's a really tough question because it, I think it depends on your own situation. But I think at its very root, um, there was some research done by Ohio State University a few years ago that indicated that stability is the most important thing. And that sort of indicate uh, stability kind of indicates you know a, a place for your children to come uh, to feel safe to know that they're going to be secure. So kind of a home environment, uh, knowing that they've got somebody to care for them, that there's somebody there, and then kind of knowing that, you know, there's going to be food to eat and those basic needs. It's about having those basic emotional and physical needs met. And it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to have a traditional two-parent household in order to have stability, too. Right, yeah. And one of the things they found in this research with uh, Ohio State, one of the things was that uh, there were some indications that a so-called traditional two-parent home wasn't 
really necessary for stability that you could find stability in a single parent home in a uh, same sex home in a home where you know maybe grandparents are involved or child care was involved you know maybe you know there's a daycare or a babysitter because what they found is it's it's not about the makeup of the home but it's the actual results of does this home provide a stable place for the child to return to is there safety there do they know they'll be cared for do they know that their emotional needs are going to be met are are they going to feel loved Uh, are they going to be able to sit down and have some dinner and have kind of a schedule part of this is scheduling you you kind of don't really realize how important a schedule is for a kid until go ahead and yank that kid off their schedule uh, it's it's been super fun let me tell you uh, we have a nice schedule during the school year my son gets up he practices the piano he eats breakfast he gets ready for school he goes to school he comes home from school you know some days of the week he goes to piano lessons some days of the week he goes to fencing practice he got he has to practice his saxophone he has to do his homework a couple days a week he gets to do his hang out with his friends but we have dinner you know every night sometime between 5 30 and 7 and he gets ready for bed and we relax with a tv show then he gets to read for a while and then he goes to bed and he has the schedule mm-hmm. and there's some little variations in there but for the most part he gets up about the same time and he goes to bed about the same time but you yank him off that schedule because you're on a two-month vacation <laughs> and he turns into a monster and this happens with kids of all ages you don't realize how much they need structure a lot of the time yeah, and like like we said, we don't need a traditional two-parent household in order to provide that stability. What I find find interesting is this is a trend where where not only are pe- people are choosing to co-parent and they uh, have uh, rather than find a romantic partner to share their life and their children with, there are people who want to be basically single parents, but they don't want to do it alone. Right? Is that yeah. how you describe this co-parenting trend? Yeah. So it's it's this article that I read about from the New York Times from a couple of years ago, and they talked about how some families they they want children, they want to do that, but it can be stressful to be a single parent and provide that stability. I I know this since my divorce. Uh, that there are these stresses that come on you, and even though I moved closer to my parents, and they're great and they help out a lot, there's just a lot of you just feel this responsibility and, and sometimes you feel like you can't just leave. Like I, I can't I can't leave on a random Wednesday night and just go meet a friend for dinner. I can't do that. It is impossible for me to just randomly up and leave on a Wednesday night and go have dinner with a friend because they're in town. I, I have to plan ahead. I have to plan ahead to have somebody there for my son because I provide a stable environment for him because it's important. And so there are people who are looking for those kind of co-parenting arrangements where it's like, well, we both want children, but we're not romantically involved. So let's work out a thing where we do this together. I don't know how this works out long term, like if somebody gets a job and they need to move and you have to work out custody. But it's one of those things that people are looking into now. Yeah. And it's interesting. Um, It's not just, say, two friends who you know, who know each other and they both have, uh, you know, they both want to be parents. But there are sites out there that kind of like dating sites who will match potential co-parents together. Right. Yeah. And and you can work out, you know, half the week, little Johnny will be with you and half the week, little Johnny will be with me and just or, you know, maybe we move close together so that we can trade off. 
yeah, it's just interesting to see all the different ways people are going about providing uh, the stability uh, that that is necessary, and people will be as creative as possible when they when they want to have children, and you know they will find ways to to do this. And the creativity is is really interesting, and um, it's it's these studies help because they show that it's the stability, not necessarily a certain type of household that makes things work. Yeah, and I really think it speaks to our modern idea of, hey, this is a priority priority in my life. How can I make it work? And and all these different ways we have it there's no one way to do thing mm-hmm. do things anymore and I, I like that yeah and i think i think when it comes to priorities a lot of people a lot of young people are putting putting their careers in front of their priority list and i think that it's it's a good idea to consider everything at this point even when you're young to to figure out where and when you want to go ahead and make moves with your life but just because we make plans doesn't mean that nature is going to obey those plans. I mean, I, I know many couples who would love to start a family and they're, they're doing their best to provide the best environment, but they are struggling because for whatever reason they can't conceive or they're just having some difficulties or their plans just aren't working out. Yeah, and I think that's one of the things that we sometimes forget that life will throw us these unexpected situations and we have to change things up and I know that it is one of the great heartbreaks for many people that they can't or or that they have difficulty uh, starting a family and conceiving and that struggle is very very real and it's very heartbreaking to watch um, because I've known people who are trying to go through that right now yeah and while we might make plans and want to live our life in a certain way, we have to, you know, not everything in the world is a choice. We like to believe that we can control everything, but there are some things that just happen to be beyond our control. Um, and some, you know, you, you might want to consider, uh, besides natural conception, some other, some other planning types of options, whether it's adoption or in vitro fertilization. Um, you know, it's, these are things that you probably never considered as you were, you know, until you came to the point where you have to, when, when you feel that you have to. Um, so, uh, so yeah, um, actually in a way it's, it's another way to kind of take, take a little more control over nature, uh, to, to live life in, in the way that you would like to plan. But I think the people who have to make use of this often do so out of necessity, not just to plan their life a certain way. Yeah, and I think another option, too, is I actually knew a young woman who loved being a surrogate. And I I personally don't know how I would be able to do it because being pregnant wasn't my most favorite thing in the world. <laughs> but she enjoyed the whole process of being pregnant, and she liked doing it. And so she was a surrogate, and she carried... Uh, two. She did two. She did two different mm. babies for two different women, um, and and carried them. And I thought that was kind of an interesting uh, approach as well. And something else I'm kind of seeing, just an- anecdotally, is I've seen more people interested in adopting without even trying first to be t- mm. to have natural childbirth. And and that's something that's starting to um, 
come as well is is just I, I know people who are like well we we're not interested in having nat children naturally we're, we're going to go ahead and we want to adopt we want to adopt there are lots of children out there who need homes yeah yeah there's certainly uh societal issues that that uh that that really give a good reason to considering um adoption over natural childbirth um overpopulation um societies that um that restrict and therefore um you know create problems for families that have more than one children these are all issues that uh that can be important to to people and uh drive people to possibly consider adopting um, rather than going through natural childbirth. So one of the things, though, that is, is really important to understand, whether you decide you want to adopt or do natural childbirth or, or however you decide you want to do this, is are you emotionally prepared for what comes with children? Well, is anybody emotionally no. prepared? I mean, you can go through the best, you know, you, you get tips from your parents, you read all the right books, you you see your friends going through it first, maybe, but I don't think anything really emotionally prepares you. No, no, you're, you're never truly ready. But I think that there are some things that you can look at and say, am I ready for this in my life? Some One of the first things you have to realize is that having a child changes a lot of the way you do things and you don't have to let your child run your life I mean we we were like okay we're gonna get this child on a sleep schedule <laughs> come, come hell or high water this has to happen but uh but there are things you have to realize that do change it goes back to what I was saying about I can't just leave on a random Wednesday night and go get a drink with a friend uh, you have to be willing to say, okay, are there some lifestyle changes I am willing to make for for my children? Mm-hmm. And you can adapt your lifestyle or you can adapt your child to your lifestyle. I know people who homeschool and they travel the world and they tutor their children while they're doing it. But you need to have a certain kind of temperament to do that. I could never do that. Right. Which is why we live in one place all the time <laughs> because – I need that boy to go to school. I love him, but he needs to go to school. Yeah, I, I think, well, obviously having having a child or having more than one child will will certainly affect the way you view the world and how you prioritize your life. I mean, a lot of people aren't emotionally prepared and they have their first child and basically everything around them changes and they change how they relate to other people. They change um, their, their own priorities for their own lives. And some of that might, I mean, you might, you might prepare yourself as much as possible, but, but, uh, when, when this happens, when you have your first child, you'll find that a lot of the assumptions that you had about your life, uh, need to change. Yeah. And the other thing you have to realize is, Yes, it can be very fun, and I love my son, and we do awesome things together, and it's great to watch him turn into the person he's turning into, and I love all of that, but it can be pretty damn inconvenient, (laughs) and you have to be ready for that. You have to say, yes, this is inconvenient. Yeah, it's not super convenient to take my son to fencing practice twice a week, but it's something that I think helps him, and I think it's good for him physically and mentally. And it helps him make new friends and it gives him a good, healthy activity and it's good for his well-being. And so, yeah, no, it's not convenient for me to drive him out to fencing practice twice a week, but I do it because it's important. 
Yeah, I think the key is being ready to put someone else first, and you, that's that's uh, that's 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 difficult, especially if you're someone who's used to driving, you know, driving your own life and moving it forward, and and pushing and succeeding and. Uh, doing your best in, say, your work and your life and everything else going on, suddenly you're going to have to change your priorities and make your child, uh, put your child first. And that is a big change uh, for a lot of people. Yeah, it really is. And then, and then finally, if you are somebody who has a partner, you need to make sure you and your partner are on the same page. Yeah, uh, you both have to, you both have to understand what you know what what the other is expecting and looking forward to and and planning for their lives and you have to be in sync on this a bit and um and you know there there are certain things that you might have to you know kind of agree on beforehand like what what are some of the things that you agreed with uh, your ex-husband before you decided to have kids oh well there's a can of worms <laughs> no uh well what happened was is so we were both raised in a religion that basically said you know you get married as soon as you can and then you get busy and have kids as soon as you can um and so I was very ambivalent about it I I accepted that I was going to have children. Uh, I would have liked to have waited, but he was full of the fire of righteousness and, and ready to go. And and looking at everything, I I was willing to say, okay, it's important enough to you uh, that we that we go ahead and and start trying now. And um, and I and I knew that I was going to have to have children eventually, so sooner rather than later works out it's a very well, i mean that's based on your belief i mean yes. you're saying you knew that you were going to have to have children eventually and i think uh i i think most millennials these days don't know and they don't have a script for them that tells them exactly what they are supposed to do as a potential mother or, or wife right. or, or a husband or father. Yeah. And, and one of the things we did talk about before, we're like, okay, well, who we, we knew that somebody was going to have to be a primary caregiver and stay home a lot of the time. And so part of that was sitting down and saying, okay. Yeah, but I, you know, you're still saying that you knew that you have to, and that, that's just not the case. <laughs> I know, you know. I know. I know. Right. All these, uh, this deep seated baggage. Anyway, <laughs> but, <laughs> but no, so we wanted to talk about it. We said, well, we, we think somebody needs to stay home at least for part of the time and be a primary caregiver. And so we worked that out in terms of, well, I was done, I was going to be done with school by the time we had our son and I would have a job and so I was going to be the primary breadwinner and he would be the primary caregiver and in fact my ex was the primary caregiver for the first 18 months of our son's life because of how we decided we were going to divide that up and it was very non-traditional um, and we got a lot of crap for it honestly living in the community that we did but that was one of the decisions that we made and so you, and, and then as he got older we were like well we both have these things we need to do so we started adding child care into the mix and saying well it's important that you know somebody it's important that we both move forward with what we're doing but you know we do need somebody responsible for child care and so we started when when our son got a little bit older we started adding child care to the mix as something that we decided on together 
but yeah, those are things you have to decide. Are, uh, do you think somebody needs to stay home? And if you do think that, who's going to stay home and how are you going to make that decision? Are you making that decision based – it's got to be made on who wants to stay home, who's going to make money. All of these things, these big complicated things go into it. And, you know, the other decision we had to make was, you know, well, um, you know, how what kind of things are we going to buy to for our son? Like does he really need all of these fancy toys or is he okay with – you know, not so fancy toys. Do we have to spend a lot of money? No, we don't really have to spend a ton of money. Um, do, are we going to move closer to somebody's parents so that they can help us if we need it? Those are questions you have to ask yourself. Where are you going to get this help if you need it? Um, and but, but I think one of the biggest questions is if you decide that somebody has to stay home, the biggest issue that you are going to run into is who is going to stay home and why are you making that decision? Yeah, that's an important one. Yeah. And, uh, you know, if I, so I'm, uh, I'm 40 years old and I don't have any children. If I were to start having children within the next couple of years, I would be 60 by the time, um, he, the first one, he or she graduates high school. So, um, you know, that's something to think about too, because I have friends who, um, will probably be 45 when their child graduates. I will be 41 and a half. And Randall will be 41 and a half. So that, you know, the, the idea of that age when your child or your last child graduates high school is basically seen as the, the, the time where you can start to kind of have your own life back again. Send your kid off to college or they'll be on in the workforce and you don't have to maintain their life at least as much as much as you have been, however, of course, as we know, a lot of 20-year-olds are relying on their parents a lot more these days, um, you know, due to changes in the economy and whatever else. Um, but, but yeah, so one thing to think about when you plan this out is how old are you going to be when you finally get the chance to have an empty nest again? Yeah, and that's a really good point. Uh, one of the things... Even though I was kind of like, God, looking back, I probably should have waited a couple of years before having a child. And even after I'd had my son and we were like, well, when when is a good time to start trying for another? Because uh, we, we thought maybe two would be okay. I already knew that there was no way on earth I was having three. And we thought maybe two we could handle. And I said, I said, if we are having another one, it has to happen by the time I'm 30. Because... I want all the kids out of the house by the time I'm, you know, before I'm 50. That was very important to me because I, I still wanted to be young and healthy enough to go out and do things, maybe enjoy my grandchildren. I love babies. I don't want my own baby, but I love babies. I love my nieces and nephews. They're super fun. I have two new nieces in the last year and they're super fun. But, um, but yeah, but when you're older, I mean, that's the trade-off. Right. You've had time to kind of do some cool things with your life. Right. That you wouldn't have been able to do. Yeah. And I don't regret that. Um, you know, uh, I do look back and think, well, what could I have done had I had children along with <laughs> in, you know, in, in the course of my life? And and I don't know. I mean, my life would it be different, would be different. Certainly. Uh, would it be as good as it is now? I mean, I don't have much to complain about, except maybe not having a family. So, I mean, you know, the question is, you know, it's all a matter of choice. And as long as you have 
mean, I think I have a positive attitude to life in general, so I'm sure I'd be happy regardless of what happened um, and what path I took. Uh, however, that might not be the case for you, so you want to think about these things. Yeah, for sure. So what are some of these things that you can do now as you start thinking about when to start a family? Well, I mean, uh, probably the first thing is to try to figure out exactly why you want to have children. Um, why, why, why do people want to have children? Uh, there's the, um, you know, we don't need them to work on the farm anymore, um, at least for the most part. I'm sure there are some people out there who do look at family in that in that light um, still. Um, but you know, I, 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 li- I, I would, I would love to continue since I've been looking into family history, I'd, I'd love to continue my family line. Um, is that a selfish type of desire? Maybe it, maybe it is. And maybe that's not, you know, that's not a great reason to have children. I don't know, but it could be a reason for you. Um, but, uh, you know, just having an addition to your life, I think, you know, adding something that could be missing. A lot of people say that, you know, their life didn't really start until they had children or their life didn't have meaning until they had children. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's hard for me to see that kind of perspective because I don't have children and I believe I have a great life and my life has meaning. Um, so, uh, but, but there, you know, what, what is your reason for having children? Can, can you articulate that? Yeah, I think that's a good point. And then once you're done doing that, I think it's time to consider your life. Are you in a place to have children? What changes do you need to make to provide the basics for for children? Are, are you, you know, now that you know why you want to have them, next it's time to think about are you ready in a, in a place where you can have them? Like we said, you're never ready to have them. But are you ready to maybe make changes in your life that would be welcoming for a child? Yeah, and it's all about adaptability. Um because you you don't know what can happen and what your your children's needs really are going to be. Um, we we all assume that you know our children will be healthy and will have you know they'll have just the average medical needs and the average um, you know uh, just the average needs and anything can happen. I mean, um, uh, there's autism, there's other, other developmental issues that can arise. And we don't, we don't always like to plan for these things, but you do have to be prepared. Yeah. And then finally, if you have a partner, you need to talk about it, make sure your partner is on board with this situation and is just as ready as you are. So after you've figured out where you are at, uh, the next thing to do now is to talk to your partner. And this, this leads right into our listener question, too. Um, here's the question. I'm ready to have kids, but my partner isn't interested. I thought she would have changed her mind by now, but she is still uninterested. How do I convince her that this is the next step in our relationship? You don't. I, I, <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. You can't change a person. Yeah. I mean, people might change on their own, and it is possible that someone who doesn't want children today and thinks that they won't want to have children, will have children, you know, will, will change their mind eventually, but you can't, you can't control that. Yeah. And continually having these discussions about it will only be annoying. Right. And then if your partner does decide to break down and go ahead and take one for the team and go for it, um, she could very well end up feeling trapped, tricked and cheated. And that, that makes for somebody who is not a very effective mother nor a very happy partner 
Yeah. And this can go the other way around. Um, this question was uh, probably asked by a guy about his female partner, but it could be the opposite way. It could The woman could want the children and the man could not be interested in, or it could be a not same sex couple. And, and there, there, there are a lot of things here. So I just want to point it out that, you know, it's, it, it doesn't necessarily depend on the sex of uh, the partner here. Um, you know, two pe- two a- any two people can disagree in any form whatsoever, and uh, you're going to run into trouble if you try to, um, you know, if you expect the other person to eventually come around to your side um, of the uh, uh, of the argument. Yeah, I, I think the key here is figuring out is this a deal breaker for your relationship. Because if this is a deal breaker for your relationship, then maybe it's time to look for a different partner who wants to have those children. And, and it sounds terrible, but the bottom line is, is, is that if this is something that's really, really, really important to you and is such a deal breaker that you're trying to convince your partner to change how they feel about it, then maybe you guys need to find different partners. <laughs> and and I, 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 I uh. well, I, people change, uh, people change over time. And perhaps when you started this relationship, you were not interested in having children. And perhaps you even had this discussion early on in the relationship. And, uh, and people can, you can change your mind over time and you can become more of a uh, person who's interested in having children. And, you know, no relationship is totally static. It doesn't just stand still in time. Um, you have to adapt with each other. Um, and if you get to the point where you're branching off in different directions, then it's then it's something that you do have to continually discuss and make sure that, you know, you're still on the same page in terms of your priorities. And if not, you have to you have to look at, you know, what's more important, this current relationship or your desire to have children or your desire to move to Costa Rica or whatever the change in your life is. You have to find a way to compromise or be on the same page. And uh, that is the difficulty with relationships over time. And it's why a lot of people grow apart and change, either change their relationship to be happy or they you know, live in misery. And that is something that's terrible. And we don't suggest that. Uh, Yeah. So on that note, uh, I think this is a good time to end this week's podcast. Go out there, figure out if you want to make babies. And while you're at it, come visit adulting.tv, download the latest episodes, read the latest articles, and make sure to subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher. And if you have a question, please ask it. Yeah, come to the adulting community on Facebook. Uh, leave your question there and you can have um, everybody, all of our fans will, you know, respond or we'll look at it in a future episode. Thanks for joining us today. We hope to see you again in a future episode. Thank you for listening to Adulting. Find resources for this episode or download other episodes at adulting.tv. Thank you.